When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Broadcast live from the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica, California, the heart of Silicon Beach. Um, we got another great show for you with the latest developments on Internet law and policy. Um, to get more information about what we're covering each, each show, we usually have a post on our blog at cyberlawradio.wordpress. And, uh, com, and you can get more information on these topics and the um, our guests and our featured guest today is Ben Smith. He's the Sac County District Attorney. Um, we'll have more on him in a minute. And um, in the second segment, we have jean Vienne Dennis, who's um, revolutionizing how to change your name. Um, you'd be surprised at how complicated it can be. And there, she has launched a website that actually does it quite efficiently and quite quickly and cheaply. So, um it's great to uh, be great to be talking to her in the second segment, but um, we're very thrilled to have as our guest um, Ben Smith, the Sac County District Attorney. And um, Sac County is a, a county of only about twelve thousand people, and it has been taking on Ripoff Report, um, which has in in a matter of forty five minutes twelve thousand unique users. Um, but we're going to get more details on that. Um, ben, are you with us? I am, sir. Thank you very much for joining. Um, ben, how long have you been uh, district attorney in Sac County? I am uh, approaching the end of my first term, which is four years, so a little over three and a half years. And um, when you when you first <laughs> ran for office, did you expect that you would come on to something a case like this? I, I didn't expect much more than uh, you know occasional thefts and and DUI cases, and you know in addition to this case, we've uh, Unfortunately, had uh, three murder cases. One um, in still in the works, and we're still prosecuting. So it's it's been a, a very uh, up and down last three and a half years. And, and as far as the the matter with ripoff report, that was never anticipated. No, um, it's it, it's strange how ripoff. It's almost as if it's like a, a tumbleweed. Um, ripoff report kind of stumbled into Sac County. Um, in, a, in a feud with uh, Michael Roberts, who actually was on our very first show um, four years ago, and over, I guess, um, how would you describe the feud between Ripoff Report and Michael Roberts? As, I guess, explained or detailed in, the, in that search warrant affidavit, I believe they are, uh, for, for a number of different reasons, are... Um, adverse to one another. I 
could not even begin to to explain or understand what the nature of uh, of the conflict between them is, but more or less, um, I, I believe that Mr. Roberts has some form of boycott or protest against Ripoff Report, and I think that I did mention that in that search warrant affidavit. Yes. Um, in my understanding, at least uh, statements made in, in a court case involving the two that uh, said boycott has resulted in in, in loss of advertising revenue to rip off report and in order to get at roberts they they found almost like in the cold war you know how the the u.s and the soviet union would have battles elsewhere that really had nothing to do with us but had everything to do with um you just you containing the soviets up in wherever they were whether it was angola or wherever and um the um um what we have here is Ripoff Report saw an opportunity to battle Michael Roberts in Sac County, Iowa, because his ex-wife was being tried by you for murder. Uh, that's accurate up until the actual murder conviction, I believe, preceded you know this feud or this you know, conflict between Mr. Roberts and uh, Ripoff Report. But uh, y- you accurately stated, uh, I guess, how we've gotten to this point. Right. So Ripoff Report decides, I guess, at least what, in, in the petition for retrial then, um, they get involved and um, and more or less try to influence the outcome of that as a way to get at Roberts. And, and but it sounds like from your report that they, they went too far. Can you tell us how they did that? It's my belief and my understanding, based upon the facts contained in that search warrant affidavit and a very exhaustive investigation, that for the purposes of exacting some form of revenge or retaliation against Roberts, they they being ripoff report and its agents have placed Roberts you know, front and center at the, at the supposed, this alleged, um, uh, you know, injustice of the prosecution of his, uh, his uh, ex-wife. Um, almost as, and I say muddy the waters, but, uh, you know, you had stated that this had fallen into uh, my lap, and when I say my lap, I'm the only, only person in Sac County. I'm the only prosecuting attorney in Sac County, um, but that that came as a result of uh, you know the collateral damage that followed my belief or the efforts of Ripoff Report, as alleged in that search warrant affidavit. So, and and so because Ripoff Report got involved and um, and started to contact you know defame some of the witnesses on its site, um, you started looking at the, the, the broader industry as a whole. And well, I'm sorry, go ahead and finish. No, no please, go ahead. What, what, what I was going to say was it wasn't, I, I never purposely set out to look at the, the reputation industry uh, as a whole. Uh, that, I, that would be stumbling upon uh, something that, uh, you know, in the course of investigating uh, certain individuals, as outlined in the search warrant, and I'm going to continue saying that because this is an ongoing investigation. Right. Um, 
you know, all the information that uh, that I have, that we have as, as law enforcement here, um, is not contained in that search warrant affidavit. But as far as the reputation repair industry, um, you know, two things. One, because my uh, ripoff report had uh, published, uh, you know, my face and my name on uh, almost two million web, uh, two million of its web pages, I was solicited by uh, reputation management companies for their service, you know, for <laughs> for services, and then, um, you know, unknowingly or or not purposefully had through bank records discovered a connection between the companies that, you know, I guess wreck a reputation, so to speak, and those that will then subsequently repair. Right. I never intended to, you know, for the investigation to get into that matter once it was, you know, once it was, I guess, learned. It's just something that I couldn't ignore. I didn't spend and haven't spent a great amount of time on that, although um, you know it, more information continues to come uh, to this day. Um, I think in, in your report, uh, you refer to, uh, particularly in reference to Matthew Cook, you refer to it as reputation racketeering, where a company would, um, would, at the same time, using the immunity it has under Section 230 of the Communications and Decency Act um, for third-party content, would then basically would defame you on one, in one property and then use another one of its properties to repair that um, injury. That's, I mean, that that's clear. And I, you know, um, absent some serious explan, you know, explaining to the explanations to the contrary, <laughs> that's, uh, um, I mean, that's that's black and white and open and shut as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, it's uh, again a matter that you know needs to be investigated further by somebody with more resources and more ability uh, and, and, and more know-how in, in that industry. So, you know, this this whole um, wreck and repair, reputation management industry and the, the, the inner workings of, you know, what goes into different logarithms and I guess just, con- you know, computer speak or I affectionately refer to as nerd speak, <laughs> um, and, that, and that is a, a term of endearment. I have a brother who is a, a computer guy. Um, but, I mean, that, that was an education in and of itself. I, right. I didn't understand that, and I still don't understand a lot of it. And I, and, and I need to, um, I, I need to, uh, to say that this isn't just me. You know, there, I do have a, a significant amount of help from, um, from others, both in law enforcement and, um, you know, acting as private citizens, concerned private citizens, um, to and, and and have been aided significantly by them by their efforts. So, and um, any you want you want to single out, or you prefer not to at this time? Well, I, I think that if you <laughs> you know read through that that search warrant affidavit, I um, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that uh, you know uh, Dr. Scott Conley um, you know has been uh, has been a great source of, of knowledge when it comes to the, the inner workings of, of these uh, these companies, and um, a lot of the stuff I never would have um, I never would have pieced together, you know, without his efforts. And um, it's it's been it's been very interesting. 
Right. And there's full disclosure, Dr. Connolly is a client of mine. And, uh, but yes, he has been very involved in this, um, for a number of reasons. And, um, and so what, what this has brought, um, we've got to this point here that, um, you what is the next step for your investigation? Well, you know, you say investigation and, and I have, you know, you, you read through that, that search warrant affidavit, which, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. If, if more than 10 people have read it, you know, entirely just because it is so lengthy. But, I mean, there's, there's probably, you know, three or four different, you know, areas, uh, you know, of concern that need to be addressed. I mean, right. you have, you know, the wreck and repair uh, industry that's, you know, just only, you know, briefly discussed in, in, a, in a, a few paragraphs. You have a, uh, what I believe to be, um, you know, some issues with the, you um, the work that that these individuals, these individuals that created these entities, had done while on pretrial release with the federal government. Um, again, these are things that are you know way, you know, outside my jurisdiction. However, they found their way to me because of you know the ripoff report and this convoluted um, you know set of facts. But what's next for me as far as you know. Uh, my continued investigation into the the uh, facts and circumstances as alleged in the search warrant. I, I don't want to get into specifics, but sure. I think that uh, you know the the probable cause alleged in that affidavit makes it pretty clear that that it, the the state believes that uh, ripoff report, its agents, I, I don't know who, somebody at ripoff report knew what they were putting up about my witnesses, the people that I asked to take the witness stand, knew that the information that they were putting up was defamatory. They knew it, it, it was, they, they, they did it for the purposes of harassing the witnesses for the benefit of the convicted murderer and her family. And I think that that's stated very clear in the affidavit. Now, the as far as, you know, what, the next step is in this. I don't know for sure. This is a, you know, I, I have, I'm looking at my desk right now and I have, you know, cases for juvenile court and for, you know, the OWIs and the things that, right. you know, normally go along. But then on the, you know, on the other side of my desk, I, you know, I have stacks of, fi of, of files that, you know, touch the ceiling, you know, that involve these other matters. And it's my hope that, you know, going forward, I'm going to receive additional uh, resources from the state, you know, maybe the federal government. I don't know. But uh, um, my efforts right now are focused, focused in on taking the information I do have, the information that I've gathered, information that's contained in the affidavit and information that's not, and put it in, uh, in context and, and, and so I can give it to law enforcement entities so they can understand it and they're not overwhelmed. Is it did I mean it, I'm at two about two years investigating this and I still don't understand a lot of it. So I think that there's that the law enforcement entities that I have spoken with thus far are somewhat you know intimidated not by you know I guess the the, the base allegations but the um, the complex the nature of the subject matter. Yeah, but you you boil it down in the report to a very simple statement that um, you say that there's no greater threat to our criminal justice system exists than allowing convicted incarcerated murderers 
and their friends and families to destroy the livelihoods and personal reputations of the people brave enough to testify against them in open court. I mean, basically, what you're saying is if they're allowed to do this unchecked, you know, who's who's ever going to want to testify against anyone who has the resources to to use uh, a service like this? You know, and and I'm glad that you mentioned that, and and that statement, I guess, is is what the purpose of that, and 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 what is what is said in that statement is what's driven me to this day to continue right. on. As you know, I stated and indicated earlier, I take full responsibility you know, for putting those witnesses on the witness stand. So whether it's a death threat, whether it's a, you know, threat or an actual um, harm being done to their business or to their personal lives, ultimately that falls back on me. You know, maybe not in the legal sense, but, you know, for, for just in, in the moral sense. Right. And you mentioned that those, that, that, that those who have the resources to put these things up on the Internet now, granted, I don't think every single defendant or every single you know convicted murderer or, or criminal has the ability to, you know, <laughs> uh, convince somebody to put this you know front and center on a ripoff report or two million you know web web pages. But it doesn't take it doesn't cost hardly any money, you know, to to write anything you want to about a right. witness and spread the message. Um, and that in that's something that uh, you know it. It grinds my gears a little bit. It, it, I, I, I don't think that, and I know for a fact that, possibly with the exception of the, the the mother of the young boy that was murdered, not no one of the other witnesses, knowing what they know now, going through what they have gone through because of this, would testify ever, and they said that flat out. That's Therein nice. lies the purpose of the defendant. That's very disturbing. Um, but we're going to take a short break. When we come back, um, we'll have more with Ben Smith, the um, district attorney of Sac County, Iowa, who is shaking up the Internet after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. As a business owner, you labor for the love of it, and you don't always have time to worry about your website. With GoDaddy Managed WordPress, you don't have to. Simply create your WordPress site or migrate an existing site. GoDaddy will handle the hosting, setup, backups, and security. And keep your site running at blazing speed so you can share your passion with your customers online. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter code MANAGE to get managed WordPress for $1 a month plus a free domain. Some limitations apply. See website for details. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. 
Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and we're talking to Ben Smith. And before we broke, he was talking about how um, use of the online defamation tools um, has, has seriously impacted criminal prosecutions and that um, the assault of on the reputation of the people involved in a case he just prosecuted uh, has led to, the, in the event that there was a retrial, um, he would be unable to get key witnesses um, just for that reason. They would never do it again. And, you know, I can speak to that from personal experience. I, I actually have a stalker who is someone who um, was a defendant in a case that we you know, we prevailed in. We, you know, we got a, a favorable settlement. And um, and for the last four or five years, she's just been um, going at me and, uh, you know, make, has made death threats and, her trial is coming up, and this year alone, she's made 600 posts on various blogs and Twitter, and, and she's going nuts over, <laughs> over this story. And um, you know, the, the whole purpose is is to try to punish me for exercising my right, you know, and to, and having her prosecuted. And um, and so, if sometimes you have gone through a very difficult thing being on every one of the 1.8 million pages of ripoff report. You know, but sometimes you have to take a stand to let the rule of law prevail. Because what happens if you don't? Well, I mean, I think you can see what happens. I mean, I, I, as, you know, as I pointed out, there's not one, maybe except for the the, the one witness I'd, I'd mentioned, that would do this, that would go through this again because of this. And, that, I mean, the, the, uh, the ramifications of... Of coming forward and testifying truthfully, if, if if it involves losing your personal business, if it involves you being, you know, held out, you know, in contempt and, and ridicule, and in hatred in society, then, you know, why would anybody, why would anybody, come forward? Why would anybody cooperate with law enforcement? You know, this is thuggery. Period. Yes. You know, it's uh, and you know, my my face being up on 1.8 million was. It, of uh, ripoff reports web pages it's <laughs> i i can live with that that um you know I, obviously i don't care for it but you know i'm in a county with approximately 12,000 people or so and <laughs> half of them probably don't even have internet and the other half probably don't you know use it regularly you know we're a rural farming community and you know this has nothing to do with uh <laughs> with my face being up there it's it's the implications made uh, about the state witnesses, 
They're uh, specifically targeting their pecuniary interests in uh, by you know defaming, uh, in directly engaging their businesses. And you know, as the affidavit points out, that you know one of the witnesses, plastic surgeon, he's according to him, he lost over half a million dollars since these things went up. That's a big deal. Yeah. And, and uh, you know. You know, in addition to the you know pecuniary interest, it's it's uh, you know you have things being said about you about you being a child molester, and it's not just the fact that it's you know on Rip Off Report. It's the fact that you know people are brag people that work at Rip Off Report, the agents of Rip Off Report, whomever has been doing this, somebody with the keys to the you know to the car over there, they're able to you know get this as a a, a first or, or second search result on the first page of Google, and they're bragging about that. Right, and that, I think that's, that's the key here, is because you know, these aren't just people putting stuff up on a blog. These are people, people um, you know, very highly skilled in search engine optimization techniques, SEO, and, um, and so as a result, what you're really having is somewhat of the, the mechanization of defamation. Oh, yeah, you know, the... The, the mechanization, the weaponization, the, you know, again, that this is, <laughs> we're talking about somebody that's in prison that's orchestrating this, you know, which is a whole nother deal. Right. You know, if it's, if, if you, if it's easy, if I, I, let me take that back. If all you have to do is, you know, whisper a few, you know, a few demands or, or commands you know, to your family and your friends and, and have them relay that to somebody who can, you know, put something up on the Internet and accomplish what has been accomplished per the affidavit. What, what's preventing every other person that's in prison from doing that? Right. You know, it, it, it's, this is a huge problem. You know, whether or not, you know, people, you know, the state, the federal level, you know, agree with me, it's no one going to be able to convince me otherwise. No. But then, then you have a, you have a problem, I think. And here's the, here's where the First Amendment comes up, in that it, to restrain it, it's hard, to, very hard to get injunctions in defamation cases. So you would actually have to prosecute the defamation in order to get that to stop, or unless you you know you charge them with, um, you know, harass criminally with harassment. Um, you know, how do you get it, it while it's happening? It seems that, from a prosecutor's standpoint, you you may not have many remedies. You know, the, the, the and that's something that you know personally I struggle with. As I stated earlier, you know, you, you're not going to find, you know, a stronger you know proponent of the First Amendment than myself. I don't like government regulate you know regulating my my life or, you know, as much, you know, as much as they need to, but. This this isn't a civil case, and and quite frankly, I think that you know the affidavit is clear in that this is criminal in nature. And as you know, you're an attorney. You know, first year law school, you learn that you know the, the, all all your constitutional rights are subject to you know reasonable restrictions or other restrictions. And and the First Amendment is 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 one of those. You can't yell. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. I think you know law school professor said that a hundred times. Right. You you cannot, you know, harassment in and of itself is a spoken word, which implicates the First Amendment. But harassment's a crime. 
you know, harassment, uh, you know, done for the purposes of retaliating against state witnesses, harassment done for the purposes of uh, intimidating and destroying the professional lives of state witnesses is harassment. It, it, and and I, I can't stress enough the fact that this is not a civil case. The 230C is, is nice and it, you know, it provides a nice security blanket for you know, uh, people that would, would do these things. Right. But I, I, the last time I read it, and I don't spend a lot of time reading it, is that I think there's an express provision that you know, exempts criminal activity. And that's what I'm alleging. You know, this isn't, uh, you know, somebody exercising their, their, their beliefs or their thoughts, you know, for a legitimate purpose. It might on their face state that, but I think that, you know, the, the, the information contained in the search warrant affidavit demonstrates that there's no legitimate purpose. And it's hard to argue that it's a legitimate purpose when you know that it's false. And I think that there's also some, um, you know, there's something to be said about commercial speech, you know, um, right. and not being, you know, as, as protected as, you know, regular speech. And so do you think you need, you have the tools you need to address this or is, you know, should policymakers consider um, how to protect their witnesses in, in an Internet age? I think the tools are in place. I don't think the, the know-how or the knowledge or the inner workings of, you know, uh, uh, you, the Internet and, and uh, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of, I don't want to say this, there's a lot of people that just don't understand how the Internet works. They don't right. understand how, you know, what search engine optimization is. They don't get that. And I don't fault them because it's, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, takes a bit of, you know, computer skill to, to understand. Right. It's and I think once people, I think people, well, yeah, once people get past that and, and see this for what it is, and, and they're able to, you know, just put it into, in, in a simple context and just say, you know, this is harassment done on a, you know, a scale that's, that's unimaginable in this, you know, in this case, done for a purpose that is not legitimate, intended to facilitate and harass and intimidate witnesses in order to accomplish a number of different things, um, you know, re to retaliate and to, as, as alleged in the affidavit, to uh, manufacture evidence for a new trial. It's clear that that's what's going on. Now, um, would you, if you had the chance to talk to, you know, the Iowa Attorney General or, you know, Eric Holder, the U.S. Attorney General, or even your congressman, um, do you think this is this area, this kind of uh, weaponized defamation and, um, and or as the, you know, the wreck and repair industry, as you referred to it earlier, is that something that really requires, you know, some further examination, you think, at a, at a you know, a much higher level? I, I think, without a doubt, yes. You know, yes to both accounts. Um, the the law, the tools are there. The the laws are in place. In this in this case, you know, it, there's, there's no special you know internet internet uh, you know defamation statute that's necessary. You have 
your basic witness tampering statute, which applies to, you know, uh, any case, you know, whether it be just one person communicating to a witness outside the courthouse all the way up to, you know, what I've alleged in, in, in the affidavit. So I, I don't, as I stated earlier, I don't think that, you know, as far as regulating or enacting new laws specifically aimed at this area, I don't, I don't think that that's necessary, but I, I don't know a lot about the industry. What sure. I think is necessary is additional, uh, you know, um, further education, like uh, maybe even a specialized, you know, division of the DOJ or the state, um, you know, attorney general's office that specializes in areas like this that can enforce the laws that are already on the books and just, you know, apply the, the facts as they are with the, with the computer, the nerd speak, <laughs> and apply that to, you know, the, the laws that are in the books. You get you get your U.S. code and your pocket protector on your first day of the job. Yeah, you know, and 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 like I said, that's a term of endearment. There, this is the way this this is where society's headed. You know, yes. and there are pitfalls and there are dangers, but you know, it's on the other hand, you know, you have the First Amendment, and I like to speak my mind. And I guess I none of this would ever come about if some random person off the street decided, you know, what I believe that uh, you know the the convicted murder in this case was was uh you know they got a raw deal and they wanted to speak their mind and they want to put that up there but if they put it up there for the purposes of intimidating harassing witnesses right. and they're doing it and, and you know it's not even just for you know the intimidation of the witnesses it, it, as far as i know from what we can tell so far i stated in the affidavit this company that's got this ripoff report they they're making money off of this also right. on the other end and i guess where i'm going and you don't have to be you know a legal scholar you know to understand the, you know the, the angle here which is ongoing criminal conduct which is in the iowa's the state's uh, state of iowa's version of the federal rico right. is are engaged in in criminal activity in this case uh, harassing tampering with witnesses you're doing it for financial gain, i.e., advertising revenue, and you're doing it on an ongoing basis. Right. I, it's clear in the affidavit that, that, that that's my position. And you have a conspiracy. And you have the conspiracy. And, and, you know, this isn't a defamation case. You know, this isn't, you know, a, a 230C case. This is, this is uh, pure and simple, I believe, you know, and it's not just rip-off report. You know, as we noted earlier, there's a whole industry, I believe, that's devoted to this. It is, as far as I'm concerned, the new organized crime. Well, I mean, and actually, yeah, I mean, in, in, in your, as you detail in the report, um, you know, some of the technology involved has links to people, you know, with criminal records. Um, you know, for example, with Adams, Adam Zuckerman. And uh, so it seems like that this this is kind of revealing the underbelly of the, the reputation industry. Um, I actually think one way to approach this um, could be from the F Federal Trade Commission because they have a very broad mandate to regulate something that's everything that's unfair and deceptive um, in interstate commerce. And I would I would have to think that having an organization that on one hand is wrecking your reputation, and then on the other hand, you know, restoring it, um, would seem to be a deceptive trade practice. 
educating the public, educating law enforcement is the first step. They, you know, this, people need to know, you know, how big a problem this is. They're going to find out, you know, firsthand. But until they understand the problem, and, and not just the public, like I said, law enforcement. You, you had mentioned, what was it, the FCC? The Federal Trade Commission, yes. Yes. You know, I, I would hope, I guess, and maybe this is just me watching too much TV, that they already know about this. And they're, maybe they're already doing something about this. I, I don't know. To me, it seems that, uh, you know, if they knew the inner workings, I, that, that, to me, working this case the last two years, the biggest hurdle I've always had is, you know, not having the law enforcement official not off in front of me as I'm going through this. Right. And I don't blame them. You know, it's not sexy. It's it's uh, it's very dry. You know, it does skirt the free speech, you know, line, although it's clearly not. Um, but you got to give them a reason to to invest in it, and you can't give them any law enforcement, including myself, an excuse not to. To me. It's it's not personal, but I I put the witnesses on the witness stand. They are my responsibility. Um. So. Well, Ben, um, we're we're running out of times, but I, I really want to thank you for being so generous with yours. Um, if people want to learn more about this case, or if there's anything if they want to offer you support in any way, what's the best way for them to to do that? Uh, they can. Uh, um, Contact me at my email address, my work email address. It's as follows, attorney at SAC County, and that's S-A-C-C-O-U-N-T-Y dot org. SAC County with two Cs. Well, hopefully that, that results in a lot of favorable emails. <laughs> well, you know, and, I, and if it doesn't, I, that, that's not something I'm, a, you know, unaccustomed to. You understand, right. you know, the, the the average, you know, ripoff report reader looks at that website, sees that their their businesses or their personal life's up there. They see a, an attorney in the in the bottom left hand corner, and they automatically assume that I'm the one that's responsible for it. <laughs> you know, our our office, our tiny office, has been inundated with phone calls. You know, which which is a whole nother matter. Right. But, you know, it's not something that, that I haven't experienced before. Well, we, i gotta, I got to applaud you for your courage and for the way you've handled this, you know, your professionalism, and um, you know, wish you good luck in this investigation. You know, obviously, you know, the, the facts will be whatever they are, but it, it seems that this is something that requires you know, further investigation, and, you know, you've done a great service to the Internet, I think, in, in bringing this to light. So thank you very much for having for joining us, and you know, good luck with the investigation. It was my pleasure, and thank you for having me. All right. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll have some news updates and Wendy um, Dennis on uh, Easy Name Change. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, 
So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Joining us is Genevieve Dennis. She's with Easy Name Change, which is a very interesting company. We like to highlight some kind of emerging companies with interesting business ideas and models um, on the web. And um, Easy Name Change is... You'd be surprised at how hard actually changing your name can be and then how many ways you have to do it. So when a bride um, gets married and um, because of the custom of having to change her name, it's actually quite an, an onerous task. You know, Genevieve, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Thank you, Bennett. Um, so tell us a little bit. What, so why, what is involved in changing a name and how are you making it easier? Okay, well, basically, with name change, there's generally two parts. The first part in any name change is to get a a legal document that all the authorities will recognise. So if you've been married, it's a marriage certificate. If you've been divorced, it's a divorce order. Um, Much more difficult for people legally changing names. They must go to court and get a court-ordered name change certificate. Uh, So that's the legal process. The second part, which is where we come in, it's letting all the necessary companies know that you've updated your name. And it's no easy feat because in these days of increased security and uh, tighter identification requirements, 
there can often be a number of hoops to jump through. So that's where that's where we step in and we help individuals notify all the necessary companies once they've changed names. So a typical bride, how many companies does it have to do you have to notify? Yeah, look, for it, there's no such thing as a typical bride, as most brides will tell you. But we tend to find, uh, look, anywhere from ten to twenty-three. However, I would say about sixteen to eighteen is an average number. And so those would be obviously the credit card companies, the banks, and alumni associations. I've been trying to think what else. What would be involved? Oh, the list goes on. Look, generally, you start with the um, with the with the authorities. Generally, you start with the authorities. That would mm-hmm. be Social Security Administration must be the first company because all the all the state government authorities get their records from the Social Security Administration. So, if you go to the DMV to update your driver's license, unless the name you've put on the new driver's license exactly matches the SSA record, you'll be told to come back in ten days, which is really painful after you've spent half a day waiting in line. Right. So. First of all, it's the SSA, and that's a pretty straightforward form. Uh, then there's the DMV, the car, the sorry, driver's license, car registration, car title. Um, the IRS don't need to be informed, but then from there it goes on to everyone's different. So some companies, some people will have insurance companies, car, home, life. Some will have annuities, pension plans, life insurance, uh, communications, phone, internet. Uh, loyalty clubs like frequent flyers or shopper clubs and alumni and universities. So what are utilities? I'm, so if I'm, if I'm uh, a prospective bride and I'm having to change my name and I'm going to your website, you, you'll prompt me as to all the, all of the groups I, I should be thinking of. And then what do you do? Absolutely. So basically it's really simple to use. Brides just go to easynamechange.com. And then they, the first thing they do is they see the eleven different categories. So they'll see insurance. Um, uh, they'll see sorry. They'll see first of all they see all the government listings, and they'll see the private ones like insurance, loyalty clubs, frequent flyers, so on and so on. And they go, oh yeah, I didn't think about my frequent flyers. You click on there, and then you see oh United Airlines, Southwest Airlines. Now the tricky part is every company is different. So some will have a form. Some will ask you to send a letter. Some will need a fax. Um, some want you to go to their office and spend half a day waiting in line. Some can do it over the phone. So basically, wherever there's a paper, whenever there's any kind of paperwork to be sent in, we'll create the paperwork. That could be a form that we help you fill out. It could be a letter or a fax. And if it's something different, like uh, to send an email or to go to the website, we give you the details so that you don't need to call up the call center and then you know answer five security questions and then spend ten minutes on hold. So it just shortcuts all the need for research and administration. Now, um, obviously, the most prevalent time when people would change a name would be after a mar- you know when they got married. Um, how prevalent is it when they get divorced? That's the million dollar question. We really don't know much about divorce at all. No one keeps records on divorce name change. Look, the courts the courts generally oversee the divorce process and the organised divorcees will usually request their name, their updated name to be reflected on their uh, divorce order issued by the court. Then they can take that to the different companies. But if they don't ask the judge to include those words on their divorce order, 
it becomes really painful. Uh, so yes, you can still change your name. You can change your name with the Social Security Administration two years after you've been divorced, but there's a lot more hoops to jump through. There's so much more proof. And because it's an assumed name and not a legal name, there's actually no records on who's changing their name back. So we really don't know how many divorcees out there are changing names. And look, a lot of them, a lot of divorcees will wait 10 or 15 years until they change their name back because they've still got kids at school and they want to have the same right. name as their children. Well, it gets harder as you get older because you're, you're professionally you're established. I think that's part of the problem. Oh, it, it's harder on so many levels. First of all, it's professional. You don't want to lose your – if you rely on referrals for your business, it's a killer. Um, also, you tend to get more involved with things like, you know, power of attorney, being in people's wills. Um, right. You know, you might have certifications from different authorities, property, and finding out how to change your name on all these unusual type and, or, and more legally binding accounts and transactions is, is really, really difficult to learn. Interesting. Now, you're also involved in... Um Another, I guess, it's not so much a, a name change, but you're helping um, people navigate um, updating status for uh, when, when, when parents or, or someone dies. Can you tell us about that? That's something, that's something on the cards for the future. Um, okay. There's actually no, there's, no, there's no system out there that does that at the moment. So we, we are considering launching a system where, if you're managing a deceased estate, you can go online, very much similar to Easy Name Change. You click on the deceased person's various accounts, their frequent flyer, their passports, and just click the boxes, and then you'll get the forms telling you how to wrap up the account, whether you need to return the passport, the driver's license, where final payments should be sent to. And that's all managed online. So, again, the, the poor estate executor doesn't need to spend days waiting on hold to get all the forms and find out right. how the laws and the processes work for that. And then, so that's the the, bit, the key part of your business model, really, is this one click, and then you send everything to them. Yeah, it's all the forms, letters, and information you need to change names, and it only takes ten minutes. So, what would normally take you about when I had to do it, it took me about six hours to get all the information. This way, the information comes through to you directly, and it only takes five minutes to make all the selections, and then about another ten minutes to personalize the forms. So, it's just quick. And it's cheap, you know. If brides are spending twenty or thirty thousand dollars on their wedding, to spend an extra thirty bucks to cut out a day's administration, it's you know, it's it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. It, yeah. Now, um, speaking of no-brainers, you, you, you've shared with us some examples of um, some pretty strange uh, decisions that were made when it came to people trying to change their name. Apparently, uh, a judge in Tennessee didn't appreciate of uh, uh, people naming a, a child. Um, um, baby Messiah. <laughs> yeah, and that was child support magistrate Luann Bailey of Cock, I think it's Coke, Coke County. She was terminated from her position about four months after she made that call, and it was actually found unconstitutional. Her claiming was that the name Messiah is a title that's only earned by one person. So this was a bit of a shocking case. It picked up headlines oh, all so over the, the country. Also, oh, the judge went religious on her and. Uh, said that he can't be a messiah because there is only one messiah. Wow. That's it. And she's actually had a few other rulings that were questionable because they were based on religion. Um, her termination wasn't necessarily 
highlighted due to this case, but it's an interesting coincidence this picked up international headlines and then four months later she was tossed out of her job. But interesting, Messiah is the 387th most popular name for boys in the US. So it's not by any means no. an uncommon name. Um, really, and the Messiah? Other interesting, it surprised me too, but it's a popular name. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy names out there. I mean, not that the Messiah is a crazy name, but it is unusual to be calling your infant child yes, Messiah. Yes. Um, but the, there's – so the, the parents actually went into into the family court because they couldn't decide what last name the child should have because the parents weren't together and they were both fighting over what legally the boy's last name should have. And the judge just picked it up and said, well, Messiah shouldn't be his first name either and just gave him a totally different name. So – Fair enough on that one. Um, they've appealed it, and his name has been reinstated. Now, the, um, there was another one. A woman got her name changed to Sexy. Yeah, look, a lot of people they'll go to they'll often have theirs, or they'll just have a name that they're passionate about, and it can be a very unusual name. So, Sexy, uh, her name was Sheila, which she absolutely hated, and she changed her name to Sexy. But this is a really great case because it just goes to show you if you're ticking all the box, all the boxes from a legal perspective, there shouldn't be any reason why you shouldn't have any name that you want. So basically right. the judge looked at her, the judge spent three or four minutes with her, looked at her case and said, well, you're not doing it to defraud anyone or deceive anyone. Uh, it's a name that's not against the public interest. Um, I mean, that's debate. I suppose it's a little bit debatable, but I mean, it's a fun name. It's not insulting anyone. <laughs> It's not the name of a famous person. Um, she filled out her paperwork correctly and the judge rubber-stamped it, and now she's got a great new name. Now, I, I remember reading in, in France, because they're so um, protective of their Frenchness and of the language, um, that there was a case. You have, in, you, your names have to be approved by the, the little prefecture, and... Uh, yeah, there was a. They had a case of you know at the time. I guess the name Prune was popular in some parts of the country, and other parts of the country they wouldn't allow it. And uh, do you have you do you work in any of the French cultures up in Quebec or in France at all? No, look, we we cover all of North America, which is Canada and the USA. But the one state we don't like to sell products to is anyone from Quebec because. They had a ruling, I think, in 1984 where women weren't allowed to change their name after marriage because they were trying to boost equality and make women equal to men. And they said, well, if women have to change their name, well, they're not equal to men. So it's it's illegal for people to change names. Look, that was at the end of the feminist revolution of the 70s. And it was well-intentioned, but it's name change has a lot to do with popular culture. And these days women actually want to have their husband's name. They're not out there to prove that they're different. They're out there to actually say, hey, I'm married. Strangely enough, a lot of women see marriage as a sign of success and changing names is an extension of that. So to deny that to women is um, making a lot of people out there quite angry about it. So, But, I mean, the law is the law and it's a real pain in the neck to get your name changed in Quebec and it's very similar to France. It's very difficult to get your name changed in France. A lot and, of continental um, Europe's like actually. Do you see a lot of cases where both um, spouses are changing their names to something new or they're hyphenating it and both hyphenating it? 
Yeah, a lot of families do change names. It's one of those things where the couple will talk about it for a few years. They'll want to do it when they get married, but they never get around to it. They have kids. They don't know what to call their kids. And then about three or four years pass and they say, geez, we always wanted to do this. Let's just bite the bullet and do it. So we often have whole families approach us to change names. What they tend to do is they take a name from either the bride or the groom's family from maybe a, a previous generation, for instance, the mother or the grandmother's maiden name. They can often blend their names. So like if you're, I don't know, Johnson and, um, I don't know, Johnson and Russell, you might be um, Russen. So you take a syllable from both names and merge it together into a new name. Um, and because I think names are an extension of people's brands, it's becoming more popular just to do whatever you want. And, you know, popular culture extends that way as well. A lot of celebrities go to change their name. And people think, well, you know, if the celebrities can do it, why can't I do it? I have no reason to hang on to my abusive father's surname or a name that means nothing to me because I was adopted. So a lot of people that have no particular attachment to their name will take the plunge and I applaud them because I think it's, you know, it's good to be brave and do something different and it always makes for a great story too. True. It's, it's hard though when you have, I mean, it when you can hyphenate when you have two shorter names, but, you know, <laughs> I had a, a college friend, um, her, her, husband, her husband's Russian, a Russian Jew, and, and she's Cuban and she was insistent on hyphenating. So her name was Lu- Luisa Kionis Dubinsky. And uh, that's half the conversation right there. <laughs> uh, and if you see it um, written on paper, it can be hard to know what to say because it doesn't always read as easy as it pronounces. It seems like you've been getting a very positive reception so far. Yeah, we've had some fantastic feedback. It's just amazing. Even within the industry, no one knows about systems that help name change notifications go more smoothly. And when we approach, whether it's brides or florists or um, you know, business people, people go, oh, wow, what a brilliant idea. It's so simple. You know, it's a single-minded uh, It's a single minded business. All we do is change names. We don't sell advertising. We don't upsell to legal products or anything else. And I think people appreciate the simplicity of it and the fact that it genuinely just helps them do what they're setting out to do. And um, you're, how large are you at this point? We operate in five different countries. We're in, we started off in Australia in 2008 and uh, Australians just get it. Australians turn to the internet for their first port of call whenever they need a question answered. So being Australian, of course, we just thought, I can't believe a system like this doesn't exist. We built it and they just came. It was just so easy. Uh, we soon, the following year, we launched into Canada and the UK and that's definitely been a big learning curve. The English and the Canadians don't quite use the internet in the same way as the Australians. Um, you know, they're more likely to turn to their family and friends for advice. And also that if they don't think a service exists, they go, don't go to the internet hoping that it would be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that finally has brought us to America, which is just a great country to do business with. And everyone's business friendly. The, the customers are savvy. They trust the internet. Uh, they, they trust businesses that, you know, present well and have really top quality information. So, uh, you know, we're making a real go of it in America and it's just a really exciting place to meet people and uh, get into the industry. And, um, and what has the reception here been like? Well, it's only early days for us yet. Uh, we started off in Florida 
Um, you know, we just launched a Florida-based site to get our head around. I mean, coming from Australia with 20 million people into America with, you know, 20 times the population, it's just such a big task. We didn't really know how to start. So we said, look, let's just pick one area and let's do that one area really well. So we went to Florida because it has a huge number of weddings. Uh, they're slightly more affluent. They have a large proportion of pe females this age getting married. And, um, you know, it's not so seasonal, so we'd get sales all year round. And once we sort of got into the, into the Florida market, we realised, look, the rest of America is not really that different. So it gave us a year to get our research together and um, build the company database so we could cover a national audience. And that's what we've done. So the first couple of years has just been about getting, you know, the database right and the information correct. And the next 12 months is really about making sure everyone out there knows about this service. And uh, what is your background? What were you doing before this that led you to launch this? Well, uh, I think I was really lucky. I was working in blue chip FMCG with companies like Mattel, Simplot and Nestle. And I was a brand manager, senior brand manager. So I did a lot of uh, advertising, marketing, brand strategy, long range planning, financial forecasting and all these skills are just invaluable like it's a really I think brand management is one of the best um, you know business overviews um, you know it's, it's the heart and life of any you know medium to large size business so taking all those learnings I had from the companies I've been working in and putting them into easy name change um, thankfully I've been fortunate enough to marry one of the smartest guys I've ever met who pretty much built the whole website in two weeks, the first stage of it. So with his skills in technology and my skills in, you know, consumer insights and marketing and branding, it's just the perfect blend. So I've been really lucky to build such a beautiful brand and launch it into so many different countries. And um, what has been the, the, the most surprising thing about this, this whole effort? Probably two things. You can't take anything for granted. You can't think, you know, just because something's worked in one place, you can't assume it's going to work somewhere else. Like the fact that we launched into Canada and the UK with such a great product, but it just it just never got traction, um, just constantly surprises me. So what works for Australians just doesn't work in other parts of the world. Um, the second thing that surprises me is the fact that these types of products have been around in America for almost eight years now. But going out there and speaking to all the wedding vendors within the industry, I went down to San Diego last month and spoke to, you know, a couple of hundred wedding industry people, and I would say five in 100 would have heard about such a products like these. But generally, the people that have been in the industry for so long, you know, making money from it, haven't really done anything to promote the kits outside of affiliate networks. Uh, and name change isn't just for brides. You know, there's almost a million people out there that are getting divorced or legally changing names that need services like this. And they're, they're just not being, you know, the products aren't being targeted towards them. And, um, and so you, 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 it seems like the reception's going strong here in the U S and I, I, I can just see this really taking off. It's just, it's a simple product. Um, and you, you take care of an identifiable problem and you do it efficiently. And, and so, you know, I think in a matter of time, the people are going to say, well, of course, why would you do it yourself? Oh, why would you do it yourself? I had to do it myself. And, look, I really didn't want to change names. I And I went 
through the process. My husband, it was one thing to him that was so important after we got married. He put a lot of emphasis on it. And I went, you know what? He's such an awesome guy. I'll just bite the bullet and I'll change my name. And then after a whole weekend of being on hold and tearing my hair out and having to write letters, I went into him in the filthiest mood and I said, I've got an idea and you're going to build it for me. <laughs> and um, that's what he did. So, you know, I just want to spread the word and let people know out there you don't have to go through this process yourself because it is when you're newly when you're newly married, the last thing you really want to be doing in those first couple of months is spending all day Saturday on the phone and lining up and trying to figure it out yourself because it's it really is it's a waste of time you'll never get back. Well, it's been a um, pleasure talking to you. And uh, if people want to find out more about Easy Name Chain, where, where should they go? They should go to www.easynamechange.com, and it's easy. E-A-S-Y, name change. Well, um, there you have it. So um, once again, thanks again, Genevieve. And um, glad to have you on. And um, keep us posted as, as you expand within the U.S. Will do. Thanks so much for your time today, Bennett. Yesterday was supposed to be the, um, the last day to submit comments on net neutrality um, rules proposed by the Federal Communications Commission. And as you may recall, John Oliver encouraged um, people to submit comments to the FCC and it actually resulted in the FCC's email server crashing. Well, on the final day of the comments, um, the FCC website crashed again. And so they've actually extended the time to respond. I, I actually submitted my response, and um, I will post it on Twitter. Um, but the, um, they had over 700,000 responses. And so clearly there's a strong interest here. It's a story we're going to be covering closely. And um, so I would... Um, Definitely, um, if you have if you haven't commented and you want to comment, um, the, the comment period has been extended, so you can go to the website and get that done. So, um, but and also um, last year we had Eleanor Holmes Norton on to talk about the anniversary of the District of Columbia's um, loss of its basically representation's rights in Congress, and um, today actually is the anniversary of the the day when the District of Columbia officially became the nation's capital. And um, in doing so, the, the, rep the representatives and the citizens of that area um, lost all representation in Congress and something that hasn't been corrected now for um, two centuries. And um, people forget that the District of Columbia residents do not have any vote in Congress. And even worse, um, members of Congress can actually say, tell the district, because they they act also as a, somewhat of a super city hall, um, they can veto actions of the city hall even with respect to the District Columbia funds. And right now there is a, a battle going on between a Maryland legislator who's trying to prevent the District Columbia from you know, implementing a medical marijuana um, initiative that was paid paid for with its own District Columbia funds. And um, so I mean. If, we celebrate July 4th every year and we think taxation without representation is done. Um, but actually there's a small area <laughs> in um, just surrounding the capital where that's still alive and well. So um, we had, we, we were thrilled last year to have Eleanor Holmes Norton, the, who is the non-voting representative for the district of Columbia uh, on our show. And uh, I'd like you to check the, our archives on that. But um, 
it's uh it's an it's been actually determined to be a human rights violation by the UN Human Rights Commission and actually the Organization of American States um, Human Rights Commission have also cited us for that. So we only have a, a few minutes left, but um, I want to thank again Ben Smith for all his work and um, the courageous thing he's doing and even taking on such a large uh, entity as Rebuff Report and from you know, from the resources of a a county of only 12,000 people. I mean, he, as he mentioned, it's a rural county. These are farmers. And um, and so taking them on um, was, was very courageous. And, um, and he's done quite a great, great job. I mean, if you read the actual um, report he put out, you know, his affidavit in support of the search warrant, you know, he's out, you know, he, um, going after the um, the murder um the, the murder, um, the first woman convicted of the murder, Tracy Richter, and her mom, and you know he's linked all this together in quite a remarkable way. And considering you know, um, you know prosecutors' office don't have a whole lot of resources, um, and uh, just imagine a rural prosecutors' office putting together what he has, quite an achievement. And it's an issue we're going to be following very closely. Um, it's very a matter of great interest and. Uh, so, and as you, as I mentioned, I actually have a case somewhat similar um, against a, a Vanessa Cacciadorian of Fresno, um, who actually has been doing um, just that to me um, all for a number of years. And um, this year alone, as I said, has had over 600 or approximately 600 um, posts online, tweets, you name it. And um, so, you know, you have to take a stand. And uh, you know, the, the days of the wild, wild west uh, the internet um, are, are hopefully will soon be over if they're not already, and it's because of people like Ben Smith taking a stand and making sure that the rule of law applies even in the internet. And for that, um, we, you know, we give him a, a, a high salute, um, and um, and so and that's why I I refuse to cave as well because what what do I say to my client? Um, you know, this is about making sure the rule of law applies. And, uh, you know, you can't um, just bully someone on the Internet and make them give up their legal rights. You know, sometimes you have to stand up for it. And that means, you know, taking taking a hit for it as um, you know, Ben is and as I have. Well, then you have to do that. And uh, so because um, only then can we, we show that people can be held accountable. And, um, and that's what this is all about. Um, so. Um, it's been a pleasure having Ben, and uh, I want to thank um, Jean Viev. Sorry we couldn't have her full interview live, but definitely listen um, on the podcast. It's a very interesting lady, and it's a great service. And um, so I highly encourage you to check it out. Um, but so join us next week uh, for another edition of Cyber Law and Business Report. Um, we have uh, interesting developments to report on the spam front. And so this is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica. Quarters adjourned. See you next week. And um, check out our blog, um, cyberlawradio.wordpress, for information on the show. And see us on Twitter at cyberlawradio. Um, and check out the Internet Law Center, internetlawcenter.net. Um, this is Bennett Kelly. Have a safe week. Cheers.
This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high-quality and easy-to-assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low-maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save good.